Hello and welcome to Peaceful at Heart. My name is Cedric Martin and I'll be your host. Each episode, we're going to take a closer look at the book, Peaceful at Heart, Anabaptist Reflections on Healthy Masculinity. We'll dive into the chapters, hear from the authors, and think a little bit more about what healthy masculinity might look like in a modern context. Joining us today is Sarah Wenger-Schenk. Uh, Sarah, thanks for your afterword in the book so that we can discuss it today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's a beautiful day in our neighborhood. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for, for joining us so that we can chat. I, I really appreciated your, your reflection and your perspective on unhealthy masculinity. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about when you were approached about this project and, and what experience you bring? Well, I was invited, uh, I think, by Steve Thomas, uh, one of the editors who was in our neighborhood. I was living in Elkhart, Indiana at the time. Um, he invited me either by email or in person, I don't remember, um, to provide an afterword. I was pleased to hear about the project and happy to contribute. I, I'm not sure what uh, moved him and his co-editor, Don Neufeld, to, to ask me, but it may, may be because of the writing and speaking I've done over the years, teaching. I have written a lot about how we pass on faith in families and congregations, uh, practices of faith that form us in Christ-likeness, written books like Coming Home, a thoughtful resource for fathers, mothers, and the rebirth of the family. Another book, Thank You for Asking, Conversing with Young Adults about the Future Church. Um, another on Anabaptist ways of knowing that reflects a lot on how we're formed in communities of faith, in char basic character, uh, and attributes. Uh, I imagine that's why I was approached uh, to, to read through these uh, stories, these testimonials by, by those invited to uh, speak to the topic at hand. Absolutely. And, and we're glad that you did. So thank you, Sarah. Uh, in your afterward, uh, you, you share that. Um, uh, men's involvement as fathers in the lives of children and partners in parenting are, are relatively fragile and require, in general, more cultural reinforcement than do female roles. Uh, can you tell us more about what you mean by that? Well, that's an interesting question. I, um, there are many influences that, that form us, that shape us, two of which are culture and our basic biology. Culture is a human construct we have over the generations as human beings shaped culture that in ways that, uh, you know, have to do with basic things. How do we feed each other? How, how are we sheltered? How are we protected from the elements? Uh, how do we learn to treat each other? 
how do we make sense of life, uh, the meaning of our existence. We shape culture uh, in ways that help us to survive and thrive. But we're also given a biology, a particular physical uh, makeup that comes uh, in embodied ways. And um, when we look at the ways we are biologically formed, uh, there are three areas that um, are, are, are interesting. Um, one is that a child uh, requires both a father and a mother, a man and a woman, uh, to um, to be to come together, and uh, you know you have a man involved, a woman involved. The woman's body then uh, grows the child, but you don't really know who she had sex with, who inseminated that particular fetus. Um, and uh, so a man, you know, she could have multiple partners. The connection between who the father is of that child uh, and, uh, you know, who raised, who, who, who grows that child, the connection to who the father is, is, is really uh, not, not necessarily evident um, biologically. Uh, of course, now with DNA, we can trace it out through DNA tracing, but through the generations, that link is rather fragile uh, because both the man and the woman can have multiple partners. So um, to that is what I mean by a fragile link. You don't really know who the father of the baby is unless the culture wraps a kind of, of um, construct around that relationship that says who you partner with, who you sleep with, who you have sex with is something that matters to the community and it matters to the health and well-being of the child. Um, and so we're going to make marriage happen uh, in a way that is public and the community can affirm. That's a father involved kind of cultural construct that without the culture is not self-evident. Um, it's also biologically given that, like I said, the woman grows the child and then nurtures the child, nurses the child, feeds the child. So a father's involvement in that most fundamental of human uh, uh, endeavors, the, the, uh, the raising of a child um, is again, a culture must be a cultural construct because he doesn't have the capacity to nurse a child in the same way that a woman does. That's, that's what I was referring you know, a culture needs to care about involving a father and make constructs to involve the father in the uh, in a, in a child's life. Otherwise, it 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 isn't self evident. It isn't a biological given. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I, I think many of the authors in this uh, book were, were trying to tell similar stories in their chapters as well, for sure. Uh, Sarah, I understand that since this uh, book came out, you're now president emerita of uh, Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary. So, so congratulations on successfully passing the torch there. Uh, I wonder, though, uh, while at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary, uh, what, what challenges did you see related to healthy masculinity? Well, I, I've been involved in teaching um, and administration at a couple seminaries, including Eastern Mennonite Seminary and at uh, AMBS, Anabaptist Mennonite. Um, and um, much was, was directly involved uh, often with um, students and circles of formation where we talk about uh, our history, this, the ways in which we were shaped growing up. We, um, as a seminary, are involved in leadership formation, preparing people to be pastors. And it's very important that individuals reflect on their own stories and what they bring with them, the baggage, the resources that they carry internally, what pain, trauma, addictions, healthy or unhealthy relationships are part of their experience. How do they probe those, bring them into the light, um, experience healing at a deep level so they can more adequately guide others toward healing and wholeness. Uh, so this is a big part of life, both at Eastern Mennonite Seminary where I worked and at AMBS, that review of one's own personal history, one, one's own story and the baggage that we carry, greater self-understanding, self-awareness, what are the things that, that trap us, oppress us, addict us? How do we become healthier individuals ourselves um, and um, learn to manage our own stuff in healthy ways going forward in order to guide others? So that, that yeah, that's, that's a, been a big part of my work through the years um, and continues to be a, a significant concern uh, for persons in leadership. How in touch with they are, are they with their own stuff so they're not projecting all their, their negativity, their own fears onto others, but able instead to be safe, create places of safety um, for inviting others to bring their own negative stuff into the light. For sure. What, 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 what might that look like? Would there be uh, opportunities in, in group settings or was this uh, encouraged like 
um, one-on-one sort of counseling ideas or, or what did that look like to, to encourage those that would uh, attend the seminary to sort of start talking about their own baggage that they're dealing with? Yeah, well, it involves all of that. Certainly one-on-one, uh, we, we encourage people to form spiritual friendships, to work with a spiritual director, um, to get into to professional counseling if the, the nature of the difficulty they're working with would, be, would benefit from professional therapy. Um, we had we formed small groups of fellow students with a faculty mentor or an experienced pastor, spiritual director, some mentor of the group, where people learn to bring their stories into that space uh, with each other, to share openly with each other, to learn from um, each other. Um, the uh, so yes, it you know persons need to have spaces where they feel safe, able to own up to some of what they consider shameful, embarrassing, awkward, um, to acknowledge their own role in whatever has happened that was abusive or you know, they're addicted to pornography. Those are very different, difficult things to, to, to own. <laughs> and so, whether that can be in a one-on-one, you know, maybe that's where it starts. <clears throat> but gradually, persons gain confidence and, and have found enough healing and self-forgiveness and perhaps able to talk with people who have been directly impacted by uh, the dysfunction of the family or the negative. Um, baggage that, that is generational and needs to be named, can become more confident and can talk about it one-on-one and then in a group and then maybe even in a public setting, find appropriate ways to say, this is my story. Uh, and I have experienced liberation and I want you all to know this is, this is who I am. Uh, and to help hold me accountable, as I hope you will allow me to hold you accountable, that we can have this level of transparency and, and openness and, uh, and affirmation, mutual care together. Yeah, for sure. You, you, you say that in your afterward as well. You say uh, that we must work urgently to create spaces for brave, honest, hard, and liberating conversations to happen. Exactly. I, I, you know, you need spaces that are both safe and challenging, hmm. uh, where you can, you not just go to your default, oh, this is, this is where I hide, and this is how I avoid, um, but safe enough for you to bring yourself and then talk about what is really uncomfortable. Um, bring it out, uh, start to name it in a way that takes some of its power over you away. Um, own it, experience the joy of, of confession, repentance. 
affirmation, acceptance, blessing from others who also have struggles, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, yes, safe and challenging, safe, brave space, brave space where you Absolutely. can, you're, you feel free to be brave in ways that are essential for growing. Sarah, it looks like we're just about out of time. Uh, thank you very much for, for spending some time talking about your afterword, talking about this book. Uh, before we go, though, do you have any uh, sending thoughts for us to go into our day? I just want to offer a blessing um, for all those who shared so openly, freely of their stories in this, in this wonderful book and for the editors who've worked so hard um to bring it together in a shareable form and for you too Cedric and opening up some new angles on how to engage so thank you all and blessings may this be a you know open some doors and windows for persons looking to experience more freedom and wholeness thank you Sarah we really appreciate your time have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Peaceful at Heart was recorded in the city of Tuckeronto, the land covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. This is the Dish with One Spoon territory. The Dish with One Spoon is a treaty between the Anishinaabe, Mississaugas, and Haudenosaunee that bound them to share the territory and protect the land. Subsequent Indigenous nations and peoples, Europeans, and all newcomers have been invited into this treaty in the spirit of peace, friendship, and respect. We all eat out of the dish, and all of us that share this territory with one spoon. We want to acknowledge the ancestral lands and waterways of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Seneca, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. Takaranto is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We wish to thank them and any other nations who cared for this land. Colonization is a continuing form of oppression, so it is important that we acknowledge the lands and digital spaces that we are holding and taking up. We remember the acknowledged and unacknowledged, recorded and unrecorded, past, present, and future. We are all treaty people. Peaceful at Heart was produced and edited by myself, Cedric Martin. It was made possible thanks to Mennonite Central Committee, Mennonite Church Eastern Canada, Be in Christ Church of Canada, Theatre of the Beat, and of course, by Mennonite Men. To find more resources, head to MennoniteMen.org.